I'm Amanda. I'm Jessie. In this podcast, we talk about the joys of motherhood as well as the experiences that have altered us along the way. We've created a safe space to talk about the hard and unconventional alongside the beauty, and we want you to feel confident in the decisions that you make as a mother. Welcome to the Motherhood Collective Co. Let's talk. Joining us again, guys, we are continuing our uh, birth trauma series, Mm -hmm. and we're going to hear Amanda's story today. Um, What you went through was very unique as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Our stories are both heartbreaking and unique in their own ways. (laughs) Um, So I look forward to hearing from you, and like we did with my video, I just want to put this out there that if you are pregnant or this would be anything but serving or comforting to you and now or educational mm-hmm. then feel free to just skip right over skip this it. um big fat trigger warning on birth <laughs> trauma stories on yeah. podcast um, um and also sexual abuse because my story involves sexual abuse absolutely. so if that's something mm-hmm. that would not serve you right now please yeah. Yeah. do not go any further mm-hmm. and also before you get started asking yeah. questions i do want to say i have never told noah's birth story mm-hmm. ever publicly I've told it to friends yeah I've always had this fear that he would hear it later and take something upon himself so Mm -hmm. I do want to preface it that Mm -hmm. my story um is is a lot different than Jesse's but it opened my eyes to past trauma and it healed me Mm -hmm. Um, while it was traumatic the birth of my son healed me as a human Mm -hmm. and healed my inner child and I would do it I would do it every day. I mean, Isn't it, it crazy? It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure that Absolutely. at any point in time, our children ever hear us talk about our birth yeah. stories, they know that they were worth it. Absolutely. We would repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that they had nothing to do with it. No, it wasn't their fault. It happened and to them as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. So. This is just covered in love and grace and the knowledge that we are living in a world that's... Um, but with that, will you share with us kind of like... What were your thoughts going into your birth? Yeah, what were so your What were your plans and your hopes? I was cocky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a chiropractor. I'm specifically a prenatal chiropractor. Yeah. The only people I touched in our practice, my husband and I have a practice, were yeah. pregnant women. Yeah. And I, I saw them a few visits postpartum, mm-hmm. and then I kicked them over to my husband because yeah. I only wanted to be around pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew the anatomy. I knew all of my options. Yeah. I knew... I, I don't think anybody could have been more prepared for birth. Yeah, maybe you were very OB. educated. I was very, very educated to yeah. a fault, I yeah. think. So I was very, very educated, and I was very, very opinionated. I mm. was not. I would have had a home birth. Mm. Um, that was what I wanted. Okay. Um, but my husband and I had just opened our practice, and we lived yeah. in a six hundred square foot apartment. <laughs> yeah. Are we gonna birth wall. in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah. So um, that wasn't really an option. So I sought out the next best thing, okay. which was a birthing center. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I, all of my rights, I knew like I had a birth plan typed out mm-hmm. to the T. Like if I end up being at the hospital, um, you know, these are the things that are going to happen. And my husband, who is also a chiropractor, also very educated yeah. and is also just as opinionated. Yeah. Um, while he respected my opinions and that, you know, I'm the mother, I'm the one doing it. He was like right behind me. Like, yeah, yeah babe, we yeah. got this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think I was very naive. Um, going into birth yeah. um because I was so cocky. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it makes sense with what you yeah. were doing and what you were spending your daily life. Yeah. talking about. Yeah, and I was always I was the one with my moms and my practice advocating for them. They would come to me and say, "My doctor wants to induce." And I would say, 
either you tell her no or you Mm. give me her phone number Mm. and we will have a conversation. If this is not what you want, Mm. then let me do that for you. And I did. Um, And, you know, and I would would give them tangible material to Mm. say, my baby's not too big to birth. Or just because it's Christmas, I don't need to be induced. Or just because I had a woman come in and her doctor was going on vacation. I know. So she was induced because it was around her doctor's vacation schedule. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I went in already kind of like hard head against the medical system Mm. and wanted to do it completely unmedicated, Mm. um, you know, like in a birthing tub or squatting Mm. (laughs) in a birthing center with a midwife. Right. Um... So yeah. how, how far along were you, did you end up going into natural labor or did you end up getting induced? What, what was the story of the end of it your pregnancy? It was all natural. So okay. I think before we get into that, I need to go back to the weekend my husband and I decided to okay. get pregnant. Yeah. Um, I was having dreams. We went and we prayed about it. We yeah. got it confirmed upon us from the Lord. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to have a boy. His name's going to be Noah. Yeah. That same weekend of this like insane spiritual experience, mm-hmm. I was curling my hair. And I literally, I can remember, I was like holding my right hand and wrapping my hair around my curling iron. And I had this thought come to me. Um, And it was regarding experience that I had as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, For years of my life, I was um, sent into the basement and molested by somebody who I loved and trusted. And I carried, and I can't tell you... Every day of my life, that was from, I don't remember when it started. Mm. It was before I can really remember, but it mm. ended when I was like five or six. Mm. Um, every day from six years old to at this point in time, we're talking about, I was nearly 25 or I yeah. was 25. I had just turned 25. Yeah. I would think about that as my fault three or four times a day. Mm. It would pop into my head. Mm. You're nasty. Mm. That's gross. Yeah. That was family. Mm. Why would you do that? Right. And I just, and I never like told anybody, not mm. a soul. Mm. Um, and I had this thought while I was curling my hair. Mm. Wow, that was me being molested. Mm. That wasn't me being gross. That was me being a very small child yeah. and somebody hurting me for horrible, years. Horrible. So, um, and I, I, my husband and I went away that weekend. It was our anniversary weekend and we went up to um, Keystone Mm. and we stayed at this retreat and we had decided we were going to get pregnant. So Mm. we were having fun, (laughs) you know, trying to get pregnant and we did get pregnant that weekend, but I broke down Mm. um, one night and told him Mm. and we had been married. Everything that had happened when you were little. We had been married for a year at that point and this is the first time in my life I have ever said this out loud. It was really scary. Yeah. Um, How did you feel when you were sharing that? I was terrified I was going to be judged and I know my husband and I know that like logically I understand that, but you're feeling the same shame you felt as a child Absolutely. and you just want to be accepted and told like, you're not nasty. Yeah. It was okay. Right. It happened it to you. Mm-hmm. So I had that experience with my husband, which I thought was healing and mm-hmm. it was in some ways, but then I never talked about it again. Mm-hmm. So here I am pregnant for the first time. Yeah. Um, and I have a history also of like, I can't go to OBGYN. Because anybody that does anything vaginally for mm. me gives me a very visceral reaction yeah. from being molested as mm. a child. I will, I throw up. Mm. I have a history of like UTIs because mm. like just stuff with yeah. my pelvic floor is not okay. Right, absolutely. So um, I go through my whole pregnancy carrying this new weight now. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, something bad happened to me. Right. Um, and I kind of put it on the back burner and I have a blissful pregnancy. I, you know... 
I never had any fears, never had any doubts. I was just so excited. Um, all of my sister-in-laws were pregnant at the same time, mm -hmm. like all three of them. That's fun. Um, and I adjusted all the way up until I was 38 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, no. Yeah, I was 38 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. At 36 weeks pregnant, um, we were driving home from church. Mm -hmm. I had just that a few days before had my ultrasound to see if Noah was head down. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and he was perfect position. Yeah. They're like, he's primed and he's ready to go. Like yeah. we just have to make it to 37 weeks because right. it's a law, at least in Colorado, that you can't deliver in a birthing center unless you're right. between 37 right. weeks mm -hmm. and 42 right. weeks. Right. Anything outside of that, you have to go to the hospital. Yeah. So I'm 36 weeks in a couple days and we're driving home from church. And all of a sudden, I like lean back and I'm like falling asleep because mm -hmm. I'm trying not to pass out of church. So I'm yeah, falling asleep right. in the chair. And all of a sudden, I hear my husband go, oh my gosh. And I open my eyes and I look to my left because I'm in the passenger seat. And I see this car coming straight at us. Mm. And we were coming up over a hill. This guy who had stolen this car mm. um, had illegal drugs in it and ran a red light, T-boned us, and totaled my car. Oh my and I went into labor. Um, I, started, I started having contractions, yeah. so we went to the hospital, and they like they had to monitor me for uh, like, I think like 12 hours we were there. Contractions slowed down, which we were like, thank gosh, because thank God I don't want to deliver in hospital. I yeah. wanted to be in this birthing center, and I wasn't far enough along. So we go home. Everything's fine. Yeah. I continue to work. You know, we have a rental car, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I continue to work for two more weeks until I'm 38 weeks, and then I'm like, okay. It's going to be really hard to breathe and like mm -hmm. to stand for eight hours a day on concrete right. floors. Um, so I came home and I'm like, okay, let's do things to get me into labor. So I'm yeah. like walking up and down stairs, you know, mm -hmm. crooked and I'm doing squats and mm -hmm. I'm doing all the things to try and kickstart labor. Mm -hmm. And I wake up the week I gave birth um, and there's some discrepancy with my due date, uh, but I was between 40 and 41 weeks. Okay. Um... And it was a Tuesday night. I, I, we had eaten mod pizza for dinner because that was like our tradition on Tuesdays. There are late so days fun. in the office. We got mod pizza every Tuesday <laughs> night. That. And we're sitting in our tiny apartment. And uh -huh. I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, I feel contractions. Mm. And I'm like super excited. Um, and then I, I called my midwife and told her just mm -hmm. that she had an idea. And she's like, okay, well, come in when, you know, the timing is right. And I tell you to time your contractions. Yeah. And it's like a 40-minute drive to our birthing center wow. from our apartment. Um, but I didn't go into active labor. I was in prodromal labor. Oh, man, yeah. Which is less intense. But if you've never been in labor and you don't know it's less intense, yeah. it's freaking intense. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so all of Wednesday, I'm in prodromal labor. All of Tuesday night, like I'm having a really hard time sleeping. And mm. I immediately, I got nauseous. Mm. Um, so I couldn't eat. Mm. So mod pizza was my last meal mm -hmm. before I gave birth on yeah. Tuesday. And I didn't give birth until Friday. Wow. So um, anyways, it was Wednesday I guess it was actually Thursday morning, like three o'clock in the morning. I woke up in active labor. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, you know, you can totally you knew tell. you can feel the shift. It was like, this is different. This is deep. This yeah. is intense. Yeah. This is this is it. So I'm in the living room, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm just like rocking on a chair. It's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to watch my show. <laughs> yeah. And Brady's timing the contractions, and then he calls the doctor and or the midwife, and she's like, okay, it's time. Come on in. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like my pregnancy up to labor okay. experience. Yeah. So how were you, how were you feeling going into 
you're driving to the mm-hmm. birthing center. Yeah. What's the conversation? What's what are you guys feeling? What are you thinking? I think I'm yelling at him over every bump he goes over. <laughs> <laughs> like literally everyone. So you're in it. I'm in it. I am laboring. I'm like I'm so excited. And I yeah. have zero. Ready to meet your son. Yeah. So you get to uh, not something they were gonna do. So I had um told my midwife she was the only other person the only other human on the planet I told that I was molested as a child Mm because I thought she should know yeah and I told her it's not okay to do anything vaginally so throughout my entire pregnancy I was never my cervix was never looked at Mm -hmm. leading up to my um my labor Mm -hmm. like you know usually people check you and to see if you started the process nobody ever checked me I I wouldn't allow it so I advocated for myself like you won't touch me because I know myself and I know my body and that's not gonna work right were they Um, were they respectful of that she was good um while I was pregnant (laughs) yeah until she wasn't so um and then I guess the only concern we had going into it was that I couldn't eat I was so nauseous. So here we are. It's Thursday, like 10 a.m. I haven't eaten since Tuesday night. And my last meal so was you were, mod pizza. So your body was feeling that deficiency. It was definitely, yeah. Feeling like lagged yeah. and a little like just malnourished. Yeah. Um, so that was hard. And then, so we get to the birthing center. Mm-hmm. And the midwife is there. And I'm just so excited. Mm-hmm. And... It's a beautiful, beautiful birthing center. They have two separate rooms you can birth in. Um, one was like an orange room if you mm. wanted to have like those dark, you know, warm colors. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was like this white room, which was mm-hmm. the room I chose. It okay. was just like light and airy. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know, it felt blissful to me. So I had yeah. a bed. It had a huge birthing pool. Mm-hmm. It had a toilet in the room um, if you wanted to labor on the toilet yeah. or if you needed to use the toilet. It right. had... Um, birthing balls, swings, um, squat benches, mm. like literally a dream come true for somebody who wants to Absolutely. deliver naturally, yeah. who can't do it at home. Yeah. So I was really excited mm. outside of the fact that I couldn't really eat. I thought my water broke. So okay. I was having some really intense contractions. And let me just tell you, labor was fine. Right. It was intense. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I won't, I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't use the word painful, although I know like that's how most people describe it. I would I just agree use with the you. word intense. I agree with you completely. Like I was moving with it. I yeah. was moving through it. There are ways to cope. Yes, mm-hmm. and it was totally fine. So yeah. I don't ever want someone to feel scared about trying Absolutely. to do this unmedicated oh, because for it's sure. so doable. It is doable. It is. Um, but I was having some intense contractions, so I went to go. They have a huge walk-in shower mm-hmm. that could fit, you know, a whole birthing team because yeah. you could birth in the shower yeah. if you wanted to. So I'm standing in the shower and. The midwife and my husband, my husband was in there with me the whole time, mm-hmm. but my midwife kept coming in and to like try and bring me like a honey stick mm. or like applesauce pack or like mm. something yeah. to get into my body. Okay. Um, they had both left me alone for a minute because Brady, one of the things they do is they provide whatever meal you want after your birth. Although you can eat the whole time you're birthing, as you should be able to. Um, They also buy you whatever you want. And for whatever reason, I really want a Qdoba. So Brady was out giving them... From nauseous to Qdoba (laughs) craving. Real quick. Brady was giving them our Qdoba order. And I'm in the shower. I can't see my feet because I got just so big during pregnancy. (laughs) And um, I thought my water broke. I know now it didn't. Okay. I thought it did, mm. so because there was a splash of water, okay. which I think was just something pulled from my breast, like over my stomach, okay, and I must have sure. moved forward, and it right. just splashed. Yeah. So I said, I think my water just broke, mm. and immediately everything changed. Mm. My midwife wanted me in that room and wanted me pushing. Oh wow! 
which was so bizarre. It is bizarre. And I know it's bizarre because I know that technically you don't have to push in labor. Mm. Like, I know that's like, you see it in the movies, push, push, push. Well, your body You're, is designed to yeah, do that. Yeah, those contractions are pushing for you. Yeah, absolutely. You shouldn't push until you have the overwhelming mm-hmm. instinct yeah. to push because that's your uterus's yeah. like last little bit mm-hmm. of like, okay, I need a little bit of help here. The fetal ejection response yes. too, right? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. That is really the only time you need to push. Mm-hmm. So... But you thinking, what are you thinking when she says, get on the bed, we're going to be pushing. Yeah. Did you think like, this is go time? I did. And I just trusted her. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, all of my like advocate for myself, all of my, everything just left. It's fight or flight. It is. And you don't have the capacity to go think back on all the research. And I, I'm just thinking in my head, like. She knows what's best. Yeah. She's gonna, and she kept saying, we're about to meet your baby. We're about to meet your baby. We're about to meet your baby. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Like, yeah. I will push. Like you I can will do, do anything at that point. I have to yeah. do. So I labored. Um, initially, I started out on the toilet because there's like a squatty potty. Yeah. And I had to pee. I was having a really hard time peeing, mm-hmm. which was making it really hard. Like yeah. I had to push so hard to pee. So mm-hmm. I had to pee, which makes your intent, your contractions way more intense. Yeah. So I was on the toilet and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and nothing is happening. And then I get on the, um, it was like a, a the birthing ball. So I got on the birthing ball mm. and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I'm holding hands and my husband's rubbing my back and, and he's kind of quiet back there cause he's, you know, there's really not much to say yeah. other than just like physically, we had already talked about like how to physically support me. So he knew, you know, to compress my my pelvis, he knew exactly mm-hmm. where to scratch my back that wouldn't tick me off. Because mm-hmm. what I think, That's amazing. yeah, what they don't tell you in labor is like when you're in that intensive contraction, sometimes physical touch can be like very bothersome. Yeah. yeah. So like all the right things are happening, mm-hmm. except for nothing's happening with mm-hmm. me. So my midwife, you know, we're like an hour in, yeah. I'm exhausted and I haven't eaten, so my body is just like what are we yeah, doing absolutely um and my midwife says i really think i need to check your cervix mm-hmm. and then so in that moment in that moment i'm like i'm like questioning because i'm like i want this to be over yeah um i want to meet my child mm-hmm. i thought this would be easier are you are you hoping there's a different response in your body in this moment versus the previous because yes, yeah. I'm, I'm like butt naked yeah. right like yeah. birthing yeah. so i'm like obviously this is different because yeah. i would never be butt naked yeah, in front of yeah. before right so i'm like and, and i said okay let's do it and my husband stopped me mm. three times and wow. he looked me in the face and he said are you sure mm. and i said yeah I'm, and it's okay and he's like no amanda are you sure mm. like i want you to really think about this yeah. are you sure yeah I was like, yeah, let's do it. Mm. And I think there was a lot of people pleasing in that because I felt, and this might not have been true, but I felt like my midwife wanted it to be done. Mm. Does that make you sense? You had that feeling that there was a rush or there was yeah. something. Like I needed to hurry up and get done because she was done mm. and over it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, and, and like I said, that might not have been true, but that's how I was Even feeling. the notion of that is not conducive for um, the mm-hmm. development and the progression of labor. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, um, I, she, I said, okay, my husband tried to talk me out of it three times yeah. and I just wouldn't let him. And she went in and she looked and my water never broke. Mm. <laughs> so I hadn't finished laboring fully mm. is what, how I internalized that before she heard me start just trying to push my child out. Mm. 
Um, and she said, you're fully dilated. You have a cervical lip over his head. Right. Okay. And she said, I would like to break your water. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And No hesitation. Yeah. I just said, do it. Because yeah. she said, she, she prefaced it. She said, once I do this, it's going to go fast. Mm-hmm. And you're going to meet your baby in minutes. Mm-hmm. This is going to happen so fast. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you have somebody... And, and, and it's not like when you're seeing a midwife at a birthing center, it's not like when you're at like an OB practice where you're seeing different doctors throughout mm-hmm. your pregnancy. Right. Um, I'm seeing this one person. Yeah. She knows my story. She's mm-hmm. asked me personal questions. And I have yeah. this person that I, I really did trust look me in the eyes and say, once I do this, it will be over Absolutely. in minutes. Yeah. And I said, okay. And that anticipation can... It can erase our intentions completely yeah. of what what you had thought about or even what yeah. you knew going into it. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It was all gone. It's just yeah. get my baby in yeah. my arms. Yeah. Right so, now. so she goes to break your water. She has the hook. She breaks my water. The most painful experience I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, the most painful thing I've ever experienced, and everything went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. So she broke my water. Um, I cried mm-hmm. so hard. Because yeah. it hurt so yeah. bad. And immediately started vomiting mm. with every contraction. And I had nothing in my body. So yeah. I am vomiting bile. Oh. And then eventually I'm just dry heaving. Mm. So we're at like, I mean, this was Tuesday. We're at the end of uh, like 3, 4 o'clock on Friday. Tuesday mm. I started. Thursday morning I started after labor. Yeah. Midday Thursday she breaks my water. Mm-hmm. And for two hours... She has me in all these different positions pushing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like on all fours. I'm on the squat rack, like on the squat bar, like bent down, just like bearing yeah. all my weight, crying so hard to force it. I'm in the birthing tub. And I had like nitrous oxide during this, yeah. which is like a natural. Yeah. Um, it's not really a pain relief. It calms you down. Yeah. So I'm like huffing this nitrous oxide with no relief. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I just never went anywhere. So she asked me again. Can I check your cervix? Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm so sick. Yeah. I am so exhausted. I am so malnourished. I'm yeah. so dehydrated because yeah. everything that's going in is just immediately coming right back. It's a marathon. Your body is being tested in all avenues. It was insane. Yeah. Um, and I just said yes. Mm-hmm. I did not even a second thought. And my husband was like, I'm sure. Yeah. Because in his head, he's thinking, okay, we broke the water and then all of this bad stuff is happening now. Like, do yeah. we really want? But he didn't want to undermine me either yeah so uh, I'm like yeah I let her do it get this baby out of me mm-hmm. I cannot do this like another second yeah because after they broke my water the in the contractions became very painful mm-hmm. whereas they were intense before mm-hmm. now it was pure agony mm-hmm. um so she went in and she checked my cervix and she said you still have a cervical lip I'm gonna move it and she swept my cervix off of Noah's head mm. and completely, I don't know if you've ever, like, if you can even just think about what it feels like when they do the swab and you're not pregnant and it's not inflamed. It's miserable. It is. I have never, I thought the water breaking was bad. That was 10 times worse. Mm. So after she did that, I couldn't cope with the pain anymore. Um, I still pushed for another hour or so. Um and I couldn't cope with the pain anymore. I said, and I told, I looked at my husband because I wouldn't talk to them. At this point, I'm so disgusted with how yeah. this has went. And I said, something is wrong. I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And so he went and talked to midwives. He's like, she thinks she needs to go to the hospital because I'm like, this isn't working mm-hmm. and I don't feel safe. 
Mm. And then they did something that I've since found is common and I didn't have a normal reaction to it, but it was the first thing I had to work through in trauma therapy. Mm. They gave me, um, and I'm going to, the name is going to slip my mind. That's the active ingredient in Benadryl that sedates you. Whatever it was, they gave that to me through an IV. Okay. And it was supposed to make me rest so that I could maybe get a little bit of rest while my body still labored and I was in the birthing center. It doesn't always have that effect, does it? It, I I didn't lose consciousness. I lost the ability to move my body. Mm. So I was, I could feel everything. Mm. I could hear everything. I could attune. I was stuck in a tomb Mm. and couldn't make any decisions so I can hear my husband talking to the midwife mm. and I'm like and is this mid transfer or are you are you still is, at the, the birthing center the birthing center is trying to get Glee to go down mm-hmm. is how I was it foreseen it. to be an emergency by them or by this was traumatic yes this was just me saying I am not okay yeah I cannot you do stepping this. up advocating for yourself and instead of them just transferring me to the hospital they put a drug into my body that shut down my ability to move but did not shut down the pain I was feeling. And my husband got angry mm. at that point. I remember, like, because I could hear. I was fully aware, mm. fully conscious. I just literally couldn't talk or move mm. my body. And I was feeling so much pain. And I can remember feeling tears just coming out of my eyes. And my husband's like, this isn't right. This isn't normal. And he's getting upset. And he's like, no, we're going in the hospital yeah. right now. Like, this isn't okay. So I remember, like, my husband carrying me because he's like, they're like, well, because the hospital's right across the street. Like, yeah. Do you want a driver or do you want us to call an ambulance? And my husband's like, I'm just gonna drive her. Mm. Um, because let's not let's not make it more dra- traumatic totally. for her. Yeah. You know, he made sure I was safe. Yeah. And he carried me to the car. He helped me get dressed. Mm. Um, and not in a gown, just mm. in a like one of yeah. their gowns. He carried me to the car. I still couldn't move. I can remember him buckling me in, and I'm just like sitting in the car, mm. and he's going over bumps, and like my body's just slouching, and Gosh. I physically could not correct myself and he pulls up um into the the emergency room and someone rushes out because they see this I look like I'm drugged Mm. a pregnant woman just like Mm. I can't imagine how gaunt and white I was on top of the fact that I'm a limp noodle and I can't even open my eyes and um they rush out immediately with a wheelchair Again, I'm totally conscious, so I can remember it all. And I remember my husband, like, helping the doctor or the nurses um, get me into the wheelchair. And then they're asking me questions. And I'm, like, I'm like at this point, I'm, like, I can, like, oh. roll my eyes open a little bit. And I'm, like, trying to talk, and I can't. So my husband's, like, trying to throw my information at them. Yeah. Like, you know, just get her into a room. And we got into a room, and they immediately, like, I got into the bed, and they immediately put fluids into me. So you're triaged into the emergency department at this point. Or did you go to the mom-baby I think I was, I, I don't have a very clear memory because I, I couldn't see where I was going because uh, I couldn't open my eyes. Okay. I'm pretty sure I was just in delivery. You were in delivery, point. okay. Because I, I never moved. Okay. I was in a room and then I was yeah. never moved. Okay. So they immediately got me in there um, because I think my midwife, my, my, my midwife came with us and she said, like, she's out of 10, she's in full active labor, she needs help mm-hmm. or something along those lines. So... And they immediately put fluids in me when I got into the room, and, and within a couple of minutes, I gained consciousness back. Mm. Like, my body was able to process that right. drug, I think. Mm. So, projected future. Mentally, I'm devastated. Okay. I am absolutely devastated. At this point, I had already failed mm. in my head. I'm at a hospital. This is. You wanted to go to the birthing center. I want to be the birthing center. And in my 
training as a prenatal chiropractor, we see the worst of the worst in hospitals. Mm-hmm. They show us videos mm-hmm. of things that can happen, yeah. of things that have happened with actual babies. Mm-hmm. And we hear all the stories. And then again, in practice, I've heard all the stories. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm not safe. Mm-hmm. This is not a safe place. Mm-hmm. I am not okay. I have failed. Mm-hmm. And this is going to end badly. Mm-hmm. And immediately, that's what my head was thinking. Mm-hmm. And then physically, I was miserable what was what was the immediate communication like with the nurses and the doctors and and what was the game plan for you I was really and my husband and I both say this impressed with the medical staff Mm. my experience was different in yours in that the medical staff was my saving grace Mm. and the nurses were my saving grace um and it was my internal thoughts that were the the trauma and the torment Mm. because most of my trauma came from my childhood Mm. that leaked into my birth um so when we got there, um, another because my midwife couldn't transfer over, another midwife that was on staff came, and she was my doctor now. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, immediately, I'm so sorry you're here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I know that this is not what you wanted, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're in this position. Wow. And she said, do you want, she said, because she was asking me about, like, my pain, and I mm-hmm. said, I can't. I'm like, I'm, like, writhing in pain mm-hmm. um, after she moved my cervix off of Noah's yeah. head. And I can't bear it. So anymore. it was pretty consistent pain. After yeah, that. it was not like contractions. It was just like something is seriously going on that is not okay. My body is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So she asked me if I wanted pain relief, if I wanted the epidural, and I immediately said yes because mm-hmm. um, I couldn't handle it yeah. anymore. So and she said, you know, I know you want a vaginal birth. Let's try for a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. So this was. Thursday night. Mm. Okay, so I this this has been all day Thursday yeah. up until this point. It's Thursday night. It's getting dark outside. It's the middle of summer, so it's pretty late. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm just in tears the whole time. And she's telling me we can do Pitocin and an epidural, and then we can at least try to get this baby out vaginally. Mm. And I agreed to that. And the <laughs> I always see. I remember as a kid, like watching people get epidurals in movies and being so terrified of that. But it was the most amazing experience <laughs> of my life after that pain like yeah. I don't think I would have been in the hospital wanting that if I was just laboring normally absolutely I think I could have easily said no I'm okay let's mm-hmm. just keep going but, I, but you knew something was wrong yeah and it wasn't normal yeah. so um I got the epidural mm-hmm. and after that I allowed the um midwife to check me again mm-hmm. my husband was like are you freaking sure like he's like yeah. poking me at this point because he's yeah. like I don't know about this. So I'm like, yes, I can't, I couldn't feel it mm-hmm. at that point because I couldn't move my legs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was just so in euphoria from not experiencing that pain right. anymore. So she checked my cervix and she said, you're only at a six. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the medical staff was baffled that my body was in full active labor, fully dilated. Noah's head was there. So now I'm only at a six and Noah's retracted mm-hmm. into my uterus. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, what? We, we've never seen this. This is mm-hmm. bizarre. So she's like, okay, we're gonna, we've are gonna. we given you the Pitocin. We've given you the epidural. You haven't slept. Please sleep. So mm-hmm. they got Brady a bed again. Was there was there any urgency in them or a cesarean brought up at any point mm-hmm. during this time? Not, not So did yet. you feel that you had freedom to relax and that everything was going to be okay? I slept great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I'm going to deliver this baby vaginally. Yeah. I, I thought... Yes, I needed an epidural and I needed mm-hmm. Pitocin, but I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And vaginal is going to be great. Yeah. At this point, I'm just hoping for a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was still disappointed I didn't get my dream birth. Um, 
but I don't think I'd internalized it yet. Yeah. So I slept all night mm-hmm. and they kept coming in and I just woken up lightly every once in a while because they were checking, they wanted to check my cervix to see mm-hmm. if I was progressing. Mm-hmm. So Thursday night I was a six and then I stayed a six all night. Mm-hmm. And even with Pitocin, they kept upping and upping and upping my Pitocin, which was fine because I had that withdrawal. Yeah. I didn't feel yeah, it. No. Um, around five o'clock in the morning, the midwife comes in and she sits down next to me at the table and she's so sweet. I will mm-hmm. forever just like appreciate this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and she held my hand and she said, this isn't an emergency. It, your baby's heart rate is dropping every time the Pitocin contracts the uterus, which is very typical of mm-hmm. failure to progress. It That's is, what happens. Because yeah. they're not, your body's not meant to just be in constant mm-hmm. rhythmic contractions from Pitocin. Your body's meant to be able to feel itself and to feel your baby and what it needs. Mm-hmm. But with an epidural, it can't. Yeah. So that's very, very common. Yeah. She that said, to me too. yeah, that's, that's most people that yeah. end up because of failure to progress. Yeah. Um, and she said, I really want to plant the seed that a C-section might be needed. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm going to let you continue to try. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she gave me the option. She said, do you want to go ahead now or do you want to continue to try? She said, I'm going to give you a minute. And my, my husband and I both sobbed because he knew, one, he's educated and he knows the things that your baby misses out on when yeah. you deliver via yeah. C-section mm-hmm. versus um, vaginally. Yeah. But then he also knew what this was going to do to me. Yes. And so I told him, I said, please tell her we want to try yeah. to continue. So we tried to continue. Um, and then it got to a point where they, you know, the, uh, the doctor came in again. It was three hours later, and she said his heart rate's dropping even more. She said it's still not an emergency. Mm. Um, she said, you really don't. She said, you're still six. She had just checked me. Mm. You, you haven't progressed. It's been, you know, almost 12 hours on Pitocin and epidural and not a fraction of a centimeter has progressed. So she stepped out again and Brady and I, um, talked about it and I see in that decision it was. And like I said, different from your story, Mm -hmm. the medical staff was my saving grace. Mm -hmm. So the anesthesiologist came in and I'll never forget him, um, because he was so sweet Mm -hmm. and because they had to get in through my epidural and do the spinal tap, like to actually numb everything and um, make sure you can't move on the mm-hmm. operating table. And he, the whole time he's doing it, he's like rubbing my back because I'm crying. Mm-hmm. I'm so disappointed mm-hmm. in myself yeah. at this point. And he's like, he's like, you tried so hard. He's like, I've been here all night. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I know what happened. And mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. And he's just like comforting wow. me. Wow. And then he never left my side. He mm-hmm. said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to take you back. Mm-hmm. We're going to be, you're going to be, your baby will be in your arms in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be so magical. Yeah. And he said, and you're in good hands. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep you safe. So then they, you know, they get me in the cap yep. <laughs> and all of that. And they wheel me up and Brady, as you said, like chase with yours, mm-hmm. they have to be separated. But the, um, anesthesiologist never left my side. Mm-hmm. He sat there at the head of my table because you're on, you are, you're on this table and your arms are out and you're yeah. like, I was literally strapped down yeah. and a very common reaction to the medicine you give you for C-section is like your body shakes. Yes, I was shaking. like convulsing mm-hmm. yeah. and that scared me. Yeah. And I remember looking up at, at the anesthesiologist and I'm like, why is this happening? Like I could barely get a sentence out and he's like rubbing my shoulders, like wow. trying to calm me down. Yeah. Like, this is totally normal. Yeah. Your body's doing what it needs to be doing. I couldn't give a big reaction. And something that's very common with C-section babies, 
Um, when they go through the vaginal canal, there's all this pressure that happens with their lungs and they ingest some of like um, the vaginal mucus and yeah. that helps them breathe when they come out. So most times a C-section baby will have to immediately go yes. and get a little yeah. bit of work done. Yeah. Um, so that, but I didn't know that yeah. and it terrified me. Mm-hmm. And then they put him on my chest and he stayed on my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was grateful yeah. to have that experience. He stayed on my chest. They wheeled us all, you know, while he, they sewed me up. Um, and then, you know, they went, he got put into the little incubator thing and Brady pushed him right up next to me and we went to the recovery room together. So, so, so you get to the recovery room and how are you, what are you thinking about what just transpired? What's on your mind? You're not sure. No, it's totally blank. Mm -hmm. I only know that that happened because I have pictures of it. Yeah. Like I don't remember. It's very common. I don't remember them stitching me up. Yeah. I don't remember... I remember like the anesthesiologist who was mm-hmm. still there mm-hmm. um, telling me, don't worry, your husband's going to push your baby right next to you. Wow. You won't be separated. Yeah. Um, and I also remember the one thing that, because it was an OB, obviously, midwives don't do C-sections. Right. So it was a different doctor that came in and did the C-section. And I asked her, I said, I want a vaginal swab. Mm-hmm. And that's where they take, because there's a lot of... Um, wonderful properties that the baby gets from your vaginal mucus mm-hmm. as they're coming out a lot of protection a lot of like microbiome yes. building things yes so I said I want a vaginal swab and she's she didn't do it she said um I remember saying he was in your birth canal for so long it won't make a difference mm-hmm. so at that point I was kind of like uh okay but I want it mm-hmm. <laughs> and who are you yeah. to make can't have it but um yeah I know I mean the next thing I remember was that night because that was at like 9 26 in the morning mm-hmm. uh, almost 10 a.m i remember that night um noah was sleeping and i remember they asked me do you want me to take him to the nursery no mm-hmm. and he slept in my arms that whole night mm-hmm. i woke up and he was cause he immediately started breastfeeding so well mm-hmm. i think i woke up and he was like in my armpit mm-hmm. and i just remember waking up and thinking like that's, that's a child mm-hmm. and then i felt mm-hmm. that emotional gut reaction mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point it was a full day mm-hmm. that I don't mm-hmm. remember like yeah. literally could not tell you what happened mm-hmm. that day and in hindsight how what what do you attribute that to trauma my yeah. brain was protecting me mm-hmm. from the trauma mm-hmm. um, our brains are millions of years old mm-hmm. and do a very good job mm-hmm. of protecting our, our mm-hmm. itself from mm-hmm. the ravages of trauma yeah and had you pieced together that that was linked to what happened to you as a child at that point? No. Or was that separate in your mind? No. So it wasn't for 18 months. Okay. 18 months of postpartum anxiety, of postpartum depression, of postpartum rage, of... Um, there was a lot of physical things that happened to me afterwards and emotional things. So right away, I came home. I was three days in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And my hospital experience was generally good. Mm-hmm. Um I said in the beginning of the video, because of my sexual abuse past, I have a lot of urinary issues. Yeah. So my favorite part about being in the hospital, and my husband makes fun of me, was I had a catheter in. Mm. And I couldn't feel it when I peed. Yeah. And I could drink as much as I wanted. <laughs> so I was drinking yeah. so much. Yeah. And it was like, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they took it. I'm like, do you have to take it out? Yeah. <laughs> I loved it so I much. Um, but immediately when we got home, I... Um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and see someone at the foot of my bed. Mm. And it was a night terror, and I didn't know. I, I, I don't know if it was a hallucination. I don't know if nightmares are, or night terrors are like a hallucination or mm. if you're actually sleeping but you think you're awake. Mm. But I would be awake, like, screaming, thinking someone's trying to take my baby. Mm. And Brady's, like, 
up. He's got the lights on, and mm-hmm. I can still see this person at the end of my bed, mm-hmm. and he's, like, having to calm me down, and this was nightly. Mm-hmm. It was, a long, like, 18 months' worth mm-hmm. of these nightmares. And it, they progressively got fewer and farther in between, right. but they were still just as terrifying mm-hmm. every time it happened. Was it based in that notion of maybe losing control and not being able to say right I away? I think, looking back, it's this... Um, it was the, it was because well one I was a child and I was molested and that was a villain. Mm-hmm. I went to the birthing center and wasn't treated the way I should have been treated and that became the, she became my villain. Yeah. So I think I've always had my brain is just like I don't know like there's just something not safe like you're mm-hmm. not safe like I just always had this feeling like I'm not safe mm-hmm. right in that moment. In the birthing center, I felt like I wasn't safe. Mm. I felt like I wasn't safe when I had to go into a C-section. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't safe when I was a child. Mm. And I think that night terror, that specific one of there's a man standing at the end of my bed or a figure or something, it's you're not safe. You're not safe. Wake up. Mm. Get out of it. Get out oh. of it. Um, walk me through your postpartum experience. You get home. Brady goes back to work a week later. Mm-hmm. How, are you, how are you doing? How are you doing mentally, physically? What is that? What is that season like? Um, I thought I was doing fine because when I was with Noah, I was so happy. I was so in love and so enamored with him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I thought I was fine. It didn't really start occurring to me that something could be wrong mm. until, like, the rage set in. Mm-hmm. So I said at the beginning of the episode I was pregnant at the same time as all of my sister-in-laws. Yes. Um, and I would start comparing myself to them Mm. and it would make me really angry Mm. you know and I don't even remember specifically what I would just remember feeling very I'm not an angry person I'm usually very optimistic and chilled out but um I felt like all my worst qualities were being amplified Mm -hmm. so I was comparing myself I was jealous Mm. I was angry Mm. Um, they were having great births and I was just ticked Mm -hmm. and then also um for whatever reason Noah going to sleep was a huge trigger for me Mm. so like he would cry and I would feel so angry that he just wasn't sleeping. And it never came to the point where I would, like, you know, be mad enough to scream or yell at him. But, like, that's where shaken baby syndrome comes in. When moms are alone and dealing with that and they don't have any resources or help. And that's where, like, that anger, you know. So I was experiencing postpartum rage. I was experiencing postpartum anxiety because I could not be separated from my child. Mm-hmm. And you said that you had that exact Absolutely. Absolutely. But, like... I had to have eyes on him at all times, mm. you know. I didn't even want Brady holding him. Yeah. Like, just, you be on me. You just yeah. breastfeed all day, yeah. and that's where I'm happiest. Yeah. So that was where I was kind of, and that wasn't, I dealt with that for months and months and months and months until I realized, like, hmm, I don't think that every mom experiences that. Mm. Because I'm also a very optimistic person. You are, So yeah. I have to put on this face, like, oh, mother, it's so great. I'm posting yeah. pictures on Instagram. Like, yeah. everything is so good. I'm so happy. Yeah. I'm having these night terrors every night, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. all of these mental issues. Um, but I, I want to stop you and say, like, you were trying to enjoy it. And you yeah. and you probably were not fully aware of everything that was going on at that point. Yeah. And you're trying to see. And once I realized that it wasn't normal, I immediately called my sister-in-law, who's a therapist. And, and when I, when did you realize and how did you realize I was it wasn't a, normal? No, it was a year. Okay. He was a full year of me experiencing this by myself. Mm-hmm. And I would open up to Brady a lot. And he, you know, would do his best to be understanding mm-hmm. and like, I'm so sorry. And you should talk to somebody. You should talk to somebody. You should talk to somebody. Like over and over. And finally, and had I called, you been talking to a therapist? No. 
not at all. So I finally broke down and I called his sister, who's a mm-hmm. therapist, and I said, hey, let me just dump this on you real quick and mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, she was like, wow, that's a lot. Because um, I haven't really told my birth story too many yeah. times. And she said, uh, and I told her about, she was the third person on the planet to know about me being molested as a child. Mm-hmm. And she immediately said, like, Amanda, this sounds like PTSD. Mm-hmm from your childhood, mm-hmm. you need to see an EMDR specialist. Yeah. Um, and she sent me a book, The Body Keeps the Score. Um, and I read me, that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. She gave me a resource on how to find someone who specializes with EMDR okay. um, to help my body process. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't actually take her up on that for six months. Mm-hmm. And why was that? It was actually for physical reason. Mm-hmm. I, um, ever since I was little, I had UTIs consistently, and it got very bad mm-hmm. um, to the point where I was being hospitalized for pain mm-hmm. and they weren't finding any bacteria in my right. urine and someone tied it together for me that this could be a trauma response mm-hmm. so I went to therapy and um, and it actually through therapy because I had to relive all of my past experiences mm-hmm. of being molested it got a lot worse which led me to, you know, like a urologist gynecologist. Mm-hmm. She was like the only one in Denver who sent me to a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. So between my physical therapist and my therapist, we were able to heal my bladder. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, my, my pelvic floor, and this is when I tied back to my birth. My, they told me my pelvic floor was a rock. I couldn't pee. Like mm-hmm. I was having, I didn't know it was not normal to have to push hard. There was the a bathroom. lot of tension and trauma harbored. In my pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, working through that, it clicked. Mm-hmm. That's why I couldn't have a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. It was when she broke my water, mm-hmm. and then again when she touched my cervix. Yeah. And my body literally went from head in the birth canal yeah. at a 10 to Noah in my uterus at a 6 yeah. and wouldn't move because mm-hmm. it wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. So now I know that. Now I know that. <laughs> now I know. Hindsight is twenty twenty mm-hmm. with this kind of stuff, and we have to be really careful that we're not too hard on ourselves for what we yeah. don't know. Um, we were only doing the best with what we could at the time. That's it's really incredible that you were able to go seek out a therapist and go mm-hmm. regularly. Can you talk a little bit more about your experience with their heal from it? Yeah, we went through the my very first um, my very first meeting with my therapist. We went right into. The EMDR. So EMDR, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know, mm-hmm. it's a eye movement reprocessing therapy mm-hmm. um, that has been, it's like the most studied therapy technique because it's used on veterans coming back from war. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, she helps you, your eyes mimic the movement of REM mm-hmm. because while you sleep, your body's supposed to compartmentalize and process, and process mm-hmm. what you experienced that day. But when there's trauma, it just kind of locks it behind this door. Yes. And then that door only opens when your body feels like it's not safe again. Or it tells you that this this trauma is your present all the yeah, time. Yes. So it's it's Well, that's what and. happened. When I was giving birth, that door opened. Yeah. And I was being molested all over again. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. So um, my very first time, we actually processed my birth trauma in one visit. Mm-hmm. Because my birth trauma wasn't actually the trauma I needed help with. Right. Um, and it was a symptom of the trauma I was actually needing help with, which was the sexual abuse. And I would say it took, I I mean, I I still am not healed all the way from it, but six months in, I could talk about it. Mm. And I was able to tell my mom, Mm. Hey, this happened to me when I was a kid. Mm. 
and that was huge. Yeah. Forgive my mom for that when I told her and talked to her about that, and she apologized. And it was like a really raw and real conversation that I'm really glad I had mm-hmm. because I was able to say, "You did your best, and mm-hmm. it's okay. You trusted yes. that person." Yeah, yeah. We have to remember that too. Like, I, like once again, every parent is doing their best, and they're trying mm-hmm. to the best about certain situations. And I think. Um, your story can really open a lot of eyes and impact a lot of people in that regard. Like, hey, maybe we do keep an extra set of eyes on our mm-hmm. kids at all. Maybe we don't just easily trust anyone in mm-hmm. their presence. And I think your story, especially on this platform, like it's going to change a lot of people's lives. Just having that extra set of eyes or having that kind of um, awareness yeah. is huge. Yeah, and I should mention like the person that was molesting me wasn't that much older than me. Right. So, and I've had to, I dealt with a lot of anger towards that person. And then I, it clicked for me one day when I was in therapy that Mm. somebody was doing something to Mm. them for them to be repeating it Mm. on me. Mm. Um, So even sending Noah down in the basement with his cousins, Mm. I don't know what they're experiencing in their lives Mm. and what words could be said or what actions could be taken. So it just won't happen. Yeah. I want to take you back to the beginning of your story when you said this was traumatic but it healed me mm-hmm. um I don't I think if I would have realized I was molested and not gotten pregnant and had a child I would have never taken care of it mm. the physical the shame would have continued the physical like UTIs all the time would have continued um just the trauma living in my body would have continued mm. but because I had a child which yeah. blatantly opened that door right. where I couldn't deny it anymore yeah. right it just mm-hmm. smacked me in the face with my trauma it tends to do that <laughs> um but then I had this tiny human that I'm like I don't want to feel triggered because you're crying because yeah. you need to go to sleep right. I don't want to you know carry this into our relationship I don't want to make this a thing in your life I want to heal mm. for you mm. which is why like I'm so grateful mm. that I went through my birth mm. and that I have Noah mm. for a million reasons but one of them was that it just forced me to do the work yeah. and to make sure that I never one have to feel those feelings again but two mm-hmm. like I'm never gonna let that happen to mm. any of my children either so the the postpartum difficulties you feel are primarily attributed to the trauma that you experienced yes. do you feel like that could have been a completely different story had yeah. the trauma not unfolded the way it did yeah had I dealt with the trauma beforehand mm. like the second I knew when I was curling mm. my hair the weekend we were trying to get pregnant had I went into therapy then mm. I think my birth would have been a lot different mm. I really do and maybe it wouldn't have been my perfect dream birth because the body still holds on to yeah. trauma right but I think it would have been a lot different mm. so I yeah I, I wish I could go back and say mm. go to a therapist mm. <laughs> if you have abuse in your past whether it was from your parents or, you know, family members or friends mm. even, go get it taken care of mm. before you have kids so that you're there's not passing generational trauma. Yeah, there's something about birth that will resurface. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. 100%. Is, there, is there anything that you would want somebody sitting in your shoes to know in one situation or the other? Maybe they're a survivor of abuse when they're, when they're younger. Maybe they're pregnant right now. Yeah. Um, one, I think you need to forgive yourself. That was Mm -hmm. the hardest thing for me to do because like I said, for 20 something years, every day, at least three times a day, just randomly my day, I had a thought Mm -hmm. that I was disgusting because of that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so like, no, you need to real, you need to realize that you as a child is not you now. You were a child and you deserved Mm -hmm. to be protected and you weren't, Mm -hmm. um, so forgiving yourself for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
making sure that you're being taken care of mm. mentally, whether you find yeah. a therapist or you just have a friend to talk to or you come out to your family and talk about it, mm. it can just be healing. Yeah. Talking about it is healing. Mm. Is there anything else that you would want someone to know um, listening to this? Yes. Something that I wish I would have done differently in my first one, mm. and I'm pregnant now, and what I'm going to do differently yeah. with this one yeah. is that I'm going to be okay no matter mm. how my birth goes. I went through the airport um, a couple of months ago. It was like August or something, and I got randomly selected to do um, like the body pat down. And I threw up for like an hour because my body is still Mm. to somebody touching me without my Mm. full consent or permission is still triggering. So I'm walking into this birth knowing I have more tools to Mm. have the vaginal birth that I want, Mm. but also knowing that my body might not allow it yeah. and I'm going girl mm-hmm. and Pitocin I'm going to yeah. be okay if I end up having to get mm-hmm. a c-section which being in the natural health world is really discouraged like yeah. people look at me like I'm crazy when mm-hmm. I say that because they're like, well, no, you need to do what's best for right. you and your baby but what's best for me and my baby is a mentally healthy mother yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely well I'm really excited to see how it unfolds and yeah. I know that your story with Noah will only make this story even even better I hope so I hope yeah. that the healing I did because of my firstborn will yeah. help me have a healthier postpartum with my second. It will. You've put in a lot of hard work and you've been a great avenue for resources. Do you want to tell them where they could find you on Instagram if they have a question about this or even yeah. resources going yeah. forward? Well, you can find both of us at the Motherhood Collective Co. That's our handle on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Dr. Amanda Johnson. Yeah. Dr. Amanda. Johnson. Why is that so funny? You know, we laugh every time. Um, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story yeah. and being so open and transparent. And yeah. I know that it's going to impact people. Yeah. Um, and I'm proud of you because I know you said this is the first time you shared it. Yeah. And um, I pray that's only further healing. Yeah, me too. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just really grateful to have a platform where yeah. we can dictate this conversation, yeah. hopefully for other women, so that they can mm-hmm. find some peace and healing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're going through this, um, there is light at the end of the tunnel, even if you feel that way. And there is there is hope and there is healing on the other side of all of this hard. Thank you for listening. And remember that you were chosen to be the mother of your children. And you are exactly where you need to be. See, See you, you next, next week. week.